Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Today, I couldn't be more excited to introduce my guest. He is quite literally the person who set me on my path. John Robbins is the author of nine bestsellers and have collectively sold more than 3 million copies and been translated into 31 languages. His books include The Food Revolution and the classic Diet for a New America. He's the president and co-founder, along with his son Ocean, of the Food Revolution Network. The only son of the founder of the Baskin Robbins 31 Flavors Ice Cream Empire, John Robbins was groomed to follow in his father's footsteps but chose to walk away from Baskin-Robbins and the immense wealth it represented to pursue the deeper American dream, the dream of a society at peace with its conscience because it respects and lives in harmony with all life forms. I think this is one where you want to stop what you're doing and really listen in. This will inspire you. John Robbins, you are the human who most impacted me in my life and early on and quite literally shifted my trajectory in this world. You made me, and you continue to make me to this day, want to be a better person. And in fact, I told you that when I first met you at an event many years ago. But your writing, your work, your passion is the epitome of what this show is exploring. You chose you now. You had deep, deep insight and wisdom and courage to do so despite everything around you in your environment. What was that like for you? How did you tap into that at such a young age? Well, I, I grew up in a rather extraordinary situation, an unusual one, in that, in that my uh, father uh, was a very successful businessman, and he had founded a company that is pretty well known, Baskin Robbins, 31 Flavors Ice Cream Company. It became, in my childhood, the world's largest ice cream company. And I'm my dad's only son. And he, I have sisters, he has daughters, but um, in his mind, um, very patriarchal, old-fashioned thinking, um, women should get married and have their husbands take care of them and they, they're not supposed to work. And so he never really thought of my sisters being potential, um, uh, potentially involved in the company. And, and the whole burden of his expectations were on me. He trained me from my earliest childhood to succeed him in the company, to, to uh, work with him and eventually take it over. And, you know, growing up in Southern California, where, where the weather was hot, particularly in the summers, and, and um, working in an ice cream factory uh, and eating unlimited amounts of ice cream was on one, in one way, every child's dream. It, it, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, but in another way, it, it was very sad because it was not very healthy, and I wasn't very healthy, and no one in my family was very healthy, and no one in my family drew any connection between the amount of ice cream that we were all eating, which was prodigious, um, and the ill health that, that, that everyone was experiencing. Um, and similarly, um, there were... Uh, photographs on the back walls of all the stores in those days, the ice cream stores, with sepia-toned photos of of, of um, Guernsey and Holstein dairy cows grazing in beautiful pastures. And yet, once I went with my dad to the to the uh, dairy where we actually purchased the enormous amounts of, of dairy products that were used in Baskin Robbins, and 
it wasn't anything like those photos. It, the, these cows were kept under conditions that, you know, you don't have to be a vegetarian or uh, an animal rights activist to find these kinds of conditions appalling if you see them, um, because they're just such, there's just an insult to the human animal bond. There's so much cruelty involved. Um, and it wasn't like those photos. So I began to feel the ice cream isn't a health food. My, my uncle, Bert Baskin, uh, my dad's partner and brother-in-law, my uncle, uh, died of a heart attack at the age of 54. Um, he was a very big guy and he ate a lot of ice cream. And I asked my dad, could there be a connection, you think, um, between the amount of ice cream that, that my uncle would eat and his fatal heart attack? And my father said, absolutely not. No. His ticker just got tired and stopped working. And, and, and that was his words, you know, no, no connection, no. But, but the, in his energy, it, 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 sort of he was transmitting also another message, which was the, by the way he spoke to me, which was, don't you ever ask that question again. And, and I can understand why. He, yes. he had, by that time, manufactured and sold more ice cream than any human being who had ever lived on this planet, literally. He didn't want to think the family product was hurting anybody, much less that it might have contributed to the death of his, of his partner, his brother-in-law. But, but I felt, I understood that my dad couldn't consider that possibility, that there might be a connection, that ice cream might not be good for you. Um, but I felt as a result of recognizing that he couldn't, uh, that I, I, that I should. Uh, um, and I did. And I, I came to the conclusion that actually the more ice cream you eat, the more sugar, the more highly saturated butterfat you eat, the more likely you are to have a heart attack like killed my uncle. Um, the more likely you are to need a quintuple bypass like Ben Cohen, the founder and longtime owner of Ben and Jerry's co-owner of Ben and Jerry's, uh, required and he, and he needed that in his late 40s. Um, it's quite extraordinary that there's such a disconnect even still to this day between food and health and I mean I'm going through a similar thing with my family they don't even want to hear about it because people just don't even want to believe maybe it's just that they don't want to believe and see it because then that means they have to make a choice based on that information like well, once exactly. you know you can't unknow. Yeah yeah once you see it you can't unsee it and it's like once you you wake up, you can't really go back. You can doze, you you can nap, but you can't really go back to sleep. You can't pretend anymore. Um, and then that forces you into an existential dilemma: are are you going to change? Are you going to choose the path of yourself, of your highest self, of your highest potential, of your optimal uh, health, of your of your highest functioning, of your of your deepest service? Uh, are you going to choose the path of, of health so that you can give from a cup that is full rather than from a cup that's empty? Give to those you love. Give to those whom you want to serve. Give, give to life. Uh, give to yourself. Um, you have more to give when you're functioning at a higher level and when you're making choices that, that really bring alignment between your soul and, and your, your, your body between your mind and your heart, when you integrate um, and become responsible and accountable for yourself and your choices, you, you have so much more to give. Right. Ignorance is not bliss. It's just disempowering. And I think that's one of the extraordinary things by which you've done is that you've lifted this veil and 
and shined a light on so many things, so many connections. That's what, when I read your book when I was a teenager and I was just blown away by all of these connections that I never heard about, obviously it wasn't talked about all of that. And you lifted the veil so that now we know where people are looking at where our food comes from and it's so empowering. And I wonder, how did you proceed with all this fortitude um, to pave that path and to see it despite everything else around you? Well, you know, you've used words like fortitude and courage, and I appreciate that. Um, I feel respected when you use words <laughs> like that. <laughs> but but um, my experience of it was more of despair. Um, I was 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 raised to to succeed my dad in the company in the ice cream company and his love was limited and and very conditional on me doing what he wanted and when i began to feel that pulled in a different direction um that created a great deal of um pain um in my relationship with him i didn't want to displease him i didn't want to i mean he wasn't like somebody who manufactured uh, plutonium triggers for nuclear weapons or, or pesticides. I mean- Good old-fashioned American ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the slogan was, we make people happy. And, and most people felt that was so. And I didn't, though. I thought we, we provide a product that, that, that gives people momentary pleasure, you know, immediate gratification at the expense of their long-term, long-term health. I mean, an ice cream cone isn't going to kill anybody, but the more you eat- the more likely you are to to get overweight and and have diabetes, like my father developed, get have a heart attack, like my uncle I killed my uncle, and and um and the the business model, if you're in the ice cream business, is you want to sell as much as possible. That's how it works, and so you want people to eat as much as possible. And and I didn't want to be part of that, um, and yet it was painful, very very painful, because it meant displeasing my father in a very profound way. I mean, he was very angry about my choice. I've heard and you I, also, I've heard you call it an existential quandary. Where, oh, yeah. Yeah, facing oh, not yeah. only hurting your father, but like this opportunity to have financial stability and choosing between that and what you, your authentic integrity, like you are what you believed and, and felt and, and needed to. Yeah, well, I, I you know, in ch- making the choice I did, which was to walk away from Baskin Robbins and not have anything to do with the company and not, and also I, I told my dad at the time, I, I didn't want to have a trust fund. I didn't want to have an inheritance. I didn't want to live off his money in any, any way, shape or form. I didn't want to have any access to it. Um, and that's what I did. Um, and, and, that's hard for a lot of folks to understand why someone would walk away from financial security, particularly at that kind of level, um, because my father was extremely wealthy. Um, but, you know, Juliana, oddly enough, when I walked away from that financial security, I walked into more emotional and spiritual security mm. because I now was living not on borrowed energy, not on my father's achievements. And by, and, and along with that, I would have had to live with by his values to some extent. Um, and so I was living, I could now live according to my values. I could, I could live according to the promptings and stirrings and, and powers within me, such, such as they might be, and, and as such as they might, might emerge to be. Once I'd 
actually cut the cord and actually um, freed myself um, from from financial dependence on on my dad, um, my life began. And and you know, someone once said there are two really important days in, in everyone's life: the one of them being the, the day you're born, and the other being the the day you realize why you were born, <sighs> what your purpose in life is, and. Not everyone, I think, has that second day. I don't know that everyone actually comes to a point where they know for sure, I'm here to love, I'm here to give, I'm here to do this, I'm here to bring this art, create this kind of family, I'm here to bring health to people in this way, I'm here to bring laughter and love to you, I'm here to create music or art. What my service is, I'm going to just be as happy as I can be and spread happiness. Whatever it is, you know, different people, we all have different gifts. And we all have different parts to play in the the unfolding destiny of love on earth and and of our highest good. Um, but when you when you honor yourself to the degree that you say, well, even if other people don't under, don't understand, uh, even if people I depend on and have care, cared about deeply uh, don't understand, I still must be loyal and true to what I experienced to be my higher self, my, my inner wisdom, uh, my deep, deepest um, connection to life. And I think we, we all have that, that opportunity. Yes, yeah, but it's so beautiful because that has quite literally translated to helping millions and millions of people around the world. Like that moment for you has brought that, that knowledge and thinking to so many and has profoundly changed the world. Well, I, you know, I, I, that, that fact um, amazes me. Because who knew, you know, I, 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 um, I only knew I have to do this. This is, I, I, I have a vision for how we could live together on this planet that would be, involve a great less cruelty and suffering to animals and, and we would be a lot healthier and the environment would be a lot healthier and and we would be a lot more peaceful people. We would have a lot more peace in our hearts and in our lives. We'd have a lot more health. We'd have a lot less disease and illness. Um, our economy could work better. We could feed everybody healthy food. Uh, we could make really healthy food, uh, lots of fruits and vegetables. We could grow them organically and we could make them affordable and accessible to everyone uh, easily. Um, and have land and resources left to spare. Um, and would we, you say that when you were writing or, or talking to the publisher about Diet for New America, and you said you wanted to talk about health and the environment and the animals, and they wanted to kind of limit it to make you choose one, and you were yeah, like, that's yeah. the point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they did this. One of the uh, editors that a publisher uh, hired um, temporarily because I, I wouldn't work with this person and I think you'll see why she's she said this editor said um, uh, Mr. Robbins has to make up his mind is he writing about the animals or about human health or about the environment and I said I don't think she gets the book I, or, <laughs> I um, because it's about all of these the above it's it's about how everything's connected and it's a and the fact that we have separated our, our mind into these different compartments and don't see how seamlessly we're integrated into the whole living earth community and, and how every action we take affects 
uh, every part and every, every being within the earth community. Um, and we can make those, and when we see it, then we, we can make those choices, uh, uh, fruitful ones and, and, and rewarding ones and meaningful ones and, and caring ones. And it goes broad spectrum in the community and it also gets personal. And one of my favorite parts of your story, I love all of it, but um, I can relate the context is my father just had his second brain surgery on Monday. And um, he, when he recovered from the first one, I said to him, I'm like, dad, you know, you really don't have to be dealing with this. We, we really can make some changes and you know that your diet really matters. And he looked at me, he's like, yeah but I have to want to change. And I love that. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so painful when it's people you love like that closely because I'm here helping people around the world. And, but when it's yeah. your own family and your loved ones, it's painful. But I, I love the part of your story where you say that your dad, was when he was sick, because you'd had all that strife with this major choice that you made, and then he ended up sick, and the doctor and his cardiologist suggested that he read this great book that will help him, and it was your book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been incredible. Yeah, and then he did, um, you know, he never became an, he would say, I'm not an environmentalist like you are, Johnny, you know, he would say, and I don't care about the animals the way you do, Johnny, but I have to hand it to you because his own health, um, he got what he would call a miraculous healing. I I, I know it's actually rather predictable for someone who had eaten the way he had and to, to make the shifts he did. Um, they're going to get those kinds of uh, results and benefits most, most of the time. And he did. And he lived 20 years longer than they predicted. And they were good years. He got off, all, all, got off of most of the meds he'd been taking that he'd was told he'd have to take for the rest of his life. But, but Julian, I want to say, I never reached my mother. Um, yeah. And you're having trouble reaching your dad. And I, I, my mom, she believed, she said quite out loud, there is no connection between food and health. It's all in your genetics. And she said to me, she, I mean, she wouldn't make any changes. She was adamant about it. And when my dad made changes, she, she was very obstructive. Um, and um, but, but he did anyway. Um, she ended up with, um, macular degeneration and going blind. Oh. She ended up with dementia and she got it early. Oh. So she lived a lot of years, um, with very serious dementia and deaf and blind, um, and eventually incontinent and immobile. Um, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Mm. Um, and, I knew, um, and my dad even knew now um, that a lot of this didn't have didn't have to happen. But my mother didn't want to change, and and so you know, there's that old saying, that adage: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I tell you, I, I I've taken I've led a few horses to water. I try I try to push their heads in. I, I, <laughs> I'm kind of. You can't make them drink, but you could. You could push your head. You can, uh, That's what I always say: is that you could lead a human to healthy, but you can't make them eat. They really do have to want it because it's yep, so yep. deeply personal. It's yeah. so deeply personal, and I always say that. That, but when you when you look at the data and you look at what happens with people, I know you've worked and seen people throughout the years. 
I always say results are typical. People get healthy when they change their diet. It is so profound. And the things you see over and over and over again, it just, it keeps reinforcing that fact. And there's still these healthcare professionals that don't see a connection and they tell the, their patients, just eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And people have this idolatry for their physicians and then they, they're validated in their decision to not change, make changes because it's not easy to make major changes. I know. And, and then, and the doctors know that. And that's why, and they, they say, well, if I prescribe a pill, it's easy for the patient to take. If, if I ask them to change their diet, well, that's a whole rigmarole that they're going to have to go through. And uh, so, and I've got five minutes. So, and I get reimbursed for, for prescribing the pill and there's no reimbursement hardly at all for nutritional education, not among MDs. And there's no, no nutritional training in medical school yet. We're, we're working on that diligently. That's that's a d- ridiculous reality to still that be the case, but it is, and we're changing it if we can. We're working very hard to get nutritional education taught in medical school. Um, it should be. Oh, absolutely. A, a doctor that doesn't know about the power of nutrition to heal and reverse disease and prevent disease is, to my mind, like a fireman that doesn't know about water. Agreed, 100%. So what do you say to all of those out there who hesitate? They may know these things, but they're hesitant to go against the status quo. What words of empowerment? I know you have tons of them written and published and all over the place, but what would you say today to those people out there that are looking for that inspiration? Well, it's your choice. It's your call. You, you, you get to decide. Uh, um, and, and by the decisions you make, today, your future is is, uh, created. And you can create a future for yourself. You can take care of yourself in in a way that your future will be brighter, cleaner, healthier, more beautiful, and you'll have a greater capacity to give and, and to receive love and caring, compassion and beauty. Or you can make choices that give you kind of immediate gratification. You eat the junk food, the, the high fat, high salt, high sugar foods. You eat the foods that we've normalized in our culture um, that are killing us all, making us all overweight and and um, and sick. And your future will be a lot darker. It, it won't be nearly as happy. Um, and I guess it does take some presence of some type to to say no to the the addictions of you know the the, the food giants have really worked to make their the ultra processed foods that that fill up our our supermarkets as addictive as possible they really have done that mm-hmm. um they they devote billions of dollars and they hire scientists who they who they call this is the industry term uh craveability experts whose job it is to engineer the foods they sell and and manufacture and package uh, to make the, enhance their craveability, which to me is a euphemism for make them as addictive as possible. And, and that's what they do because that's, that's their business model. Um, and I, I, for one, rebel against that. I, I, I mean, I want my free will. I do not want to be made addicted to things that, um, will, that will take away my free will and make me crave them when they're not good for me. I mean, you got to hand it to the food industry. They, they've made a, a, an enormous number of people Overeat foods that are killing them. Right. Um, that that is an achievement. Uh, it's a sick achievement. It's a it's a dark achievement, but it's prodigious. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and I stand back from it and, and I, I, I respect the power of what they've done. And I also see the, 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 the damage that they're, they've done and are doing. And so I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to buy their products. I don't want to give them my money. I don't want to uh, have anything to do with them, frankly. And especially when there's so much wonderful, good food um, and, and food producers that we can support and feel good about and, yes. and know that they're, they're, they're providing food that's healthy for us, for our bodies, our organs, our cells, our brains, our, um, our, our, our futures. Yes. As I told you, I could talk to you forever, and I hate that I have to cut this short, but I have one more question um, for now. Maybe we can get you back on another time. But my last question is, when you look back at, with all of the context that you have, all of this time, I mean, I can't believe that Diet for New America was published 34 years ago. I had to do the math because, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I have met that are, you know, everyone talks about what's your story? What's your story? And I always talk about you and reading the book and so many other people say the same thing. It's just, you've had such a profound impact. What do you say now with all of this context and all that has taken place since you had your awareness and you started this revolution? Well, we got a long ways to go still. Um, you know, if we all shifted to a, or shifted in the direction of a, of a, of a whole food plant-based diet, we would do a tremendous amount to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, to lower our ecological footprint, to reduce it, uh, to, to, uh, to produce less methane and, and, and CO2 and, and nitrous oxide and all the other gases that we're, we're polluting the atmosphere with and causing and jeopardizing uh, the future of life on earth with. Um, we, we, we could have a much healthier world and a much future, a better, brighter future for ourselves individually and, and, and for us as a species and, as, and for us as part of the, 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 earth, the whole earth community. And we really need, as much, there now is some momentum in that direction, finally. And it's never been easier to eat a whole food plant-based diet. There, there are more and more uh, all, uh, plant-based alternatives to the, to the foods that people have gotten used to eating um, in the standard American diet that are healthier and, and, and don't cause cruelty and, and don't destroy the environment, but instead help to restore it. Um, and, and when we make that shift, um, more and more of us make that shift and then more and more of us make that shift. And maybe, maybe, maybe your dad won't. Uh, my mom didn't. Uh, we, we probably all know some people who, who are pretty darn resistant, but there's more and more people who are making these changes and who are experiencing the benefits uh, in, in the way they experience themselves. So they're inspired by their experience of themselves to continue to make choices that are liberating and illuminating and heartful and gracious. And when we do that, we, we join the movement for, for love on earth in ever deeper ways. And we become truer to ourselves, to who we are meant to be, what, we, what our purposes really are for taking birth and going through the, the suffering and pain that, that, that is extant on this planet. Um, and somehow it, it redeems all the pain. Somehow the, the pain then isn't in vain. Somehow the, the, uh, it's, it's meaningful and it's even beautiful. You're exquisite. I can't thank you enough for all of your work, for being here with us today. 
And um, I will always be so grateful to you. And I'm sending you all my love. Stay well. Right, right back to you, Juliana. Your your work is just beautiful. You're reaching lots and lots and people more all the time. I know. And um, the people who listen to you are privileged. I hope they know that it is a privilege. Can you see why this man has had such a profound effect in the world? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions or comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.